Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Back, I decided last year I wasn't going to participate in COVID, so I went with the Ross River Fever instead. And uh, but I'm back, which is really good. And we've been looking at this area of faith through Hebrews. I drove this morning and I thought, there were a lot of other cars around. I thought if I pull them over and I said to them, are you a person of faith? They'd probably say, nah, don't believe it. I'm an, I'm an empiricist. Show me the research. Show me the, the evidence. And yet they're all driving their cars and they've all got faith that their cars are going to stop at intersections. They probably didn't check the brakes. They probably didn't look for the mechanical report that morning to, um, just to make sure. But we're built to have faith. And if you came into this room, I mean, have a look up there. There's an awful amount of weight in that ceiling. <laughs> have you asked the engineers if that's, that's okay? I haven't done the maths, and yet we're all here. No one's bothering to, to look up. We have faith in the engineers. If you don't, you can get under your chair, but then you've got to have faith in the person that built the chair. So let's have faith in the person that built the universe. Yeah. yeah. That's encouraging. We've been looking at, uh, at Hebrews, and we're going to move on. Hebrews 11 is just awesome. There are just parts of the Bible, and if you can get your head around them, if you can understand what it truly means to trust and have faith in God, it makes the other parts of the Bible and other parts of your life that much easier. It even makes Leviticus easier if you understand Hebrews 11 a little bit. <laughs> so I love, I love the Hebrews 11. Absolutely awesome. And let's just start by going back to verse 1 and reminding ourselves of what this, this faith is. And it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what does that mean? To me, I'm a simple It means we trust what God says simply because it's God who's saying it. We trust that God is who he says he is. We trust in his promises and his ability to deliver on his promises. Or if you even want to go simpler in phraseries, faith is trusting that God can do his job. Faith is trusting that God can do his job. So it doesn't seek signs. We don't need to hold a prayer meeting when God says, tells us to do something. We don't need to ask a whole lot of questions. We can go ahead and do it because it's God who says it. Okay, Hebrews 11.30. So the author of Hebrews has been taking us through the hall of faith, all these great people of faith who were just ordinary people, who weren't perfect people, to show us what we can maybe pick up and put into our lives. Verse 30 says this, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Uh, this verse calls us to look at the astonishing faith of the generation that crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land. And to compare that to the astonishing lack of faith from their, their parents. And their parents, if you remember, came out of Egypt. They saw the plagues that helped them deliver, be delivered from Pharaoh's hand. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They went through and then the Egyptians came through and the waters went back. And they were fed 
in the desert when there was nothing around. They were fed with the bread from heaven. They were fed by the quail, which is sort of like Subway and KFC, in the middle of a wasteland where there is absolutely nothing. And yet they turned around and they said, we've seen you do all that, God, but we don't have the faith that you can handle the inhabitants of the promised land. We particularly don't believe that you can handle this big fortified city. And we compare that to this, the faith of the next generation. They didn't make it in. They were stuck in the wilderness. But this next generation led by Joshua and Caleb came through and showed astonishing faith. Lord, you want us to go up against this fortified city? What's the plan? And God said, well, it's twofold. Circumcision and trumpets. Because that's what the SAS would do or anyone else going in. What do you want to do before you rush into battle? Grab a flint knife and grab a trumpet. And they just said, okay, let's do it. March around the city seven times. I mean, even just doing that, I'd be thinking, I want a 5K perimeter because I don't know how far those longbows can shoot. I'm going to have a shield here and a shield here, and I'm just going to walk around like that very, very carefully. And they did it. And on the seventh day, of course, went around seven times, blew the trumpets, gave a shout, and the walls came down. And what's wonderful about this is because the author of Hebrews is speaking to a similar audience. As, as Ian said, you know, it's Palm Sunday. The, the parents were going, you know, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, wave the fronds, and two seconds later, crucify him. Give us Barabbas, crucify, crucify Jesus. What an astonishing failure of faith. And the author of Hebrews is reminding Minding them of those two generations back at Jericho, the failure and the success of faith, and he's saying, you're being called to the same thing, even though your parents called out crucify him. You're going to replace, you're going to go in and conquer the promised land. You're going to conquer the globe with the good news of Jesus Christ, of what he's done at Easter time. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go in and conquer with the double-edged sword, the word of God, to make disciples throughout the world. It's a wonderful, wonderful, powerful reminder from the author of Hebrews there. Hebrews 11.31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So she was in Jericho. She was in the walls. She was an Amorite. And uh, I always thought at the end of time, she wouldn't want to be known as Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. Hey, look, it's Rahab the harlot. That's the 10,000th time someone said that to me already. So we'll, we'll drop it off. Something sort of stick in the Bible like, oh, it's Thomas the doubter. Great. You just make a simple mistake. It's remembered for 2,000 years, you know. Anyway. But um, she heard him what what God had done. Just like that first generation that came out of Egypt. She heard what God had done with the plagues and with opening the sea and with the KFC as well in the desert. And she said, that's the sort of God I want to put my trust in. I want to put my faith in that God. I'm not going to put my faith in a fortified city with the big walls, with the big army. And as a result, she was adopted by faith. 
And how wonderful that she was woven into this thread of redemption. She was made part of the lineage of Jesus, which is so humbling for us. It's that moment, okay? No one's worthy. So it means under God's grace, we can, we're all accepted. Quick story, nearly 30 years ago at Gosford Christian Centre, I was kind of full of myself. I was, a, I was a, on the prayer team and I was out the front and, you know, God loves me so much. And uh, it was one Sunday night and this fellow came up to me. I prayed for a few people and the crowd started to disperse, but this fellow came up and it was clear that he is off the streets. He was all grimy and dirty and hair all sort of greasy. And I thought, okay, last one for the night. Let's get this done. And to my horror, he didn't want to be prayed for. He wanted a hug. He, he just heard the message, and that was how he wanted to respond. And so he kind of came up, and it was pre-COVID, so it's kind of okay. And, and he came right in there, and just the, the stench of body odour, someone who hadn't had a shower for a really, really long time, and um, stale alcohol, if there's such a thing, that was kind of in there, it was kind of a whole funk thing. Maybe a little bit of wee, I don't know. <laughs> but it really wasn't good. And, and I, okay, I came in and I hugged him back and that sort of got him excited. So he lifted his arms, I put his arms right around. And I think there might have been a few folds of skin that hadn't seen sunlight for a while. And it, it wasn't gag a maggot, it just really wasn't a pleasant experience. And I thought I was going to lose my dinner at one point. But I just heard Jesus say, can you smell that? That's the stench of the world that I died for. And you don't smell any different, Fraser. And I went, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I hugged, he tried to pull away and I, hugged, I wouldn't let him go. And I hugged him. And just at the end, it was like, there was this exquisite perfume smell filled the air. I've never smelled it since then. Paco Rabanne doesn't come anywhere close. It was so beautiful. Uh, just for an instant, as he went, I thought, thank you, Lord, and I'm so sorry. But none of us are worthy, are we? Huh. Okay, let's keep moving on. Hebrews 11:32 to 34. Author's probably a Pentecostal pastor because he does the usual thing. What more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about this, so I'll just go through it briefly. Typical Pentecostal. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jeff, about David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, love that, through faith, not through wisdom, strength, political intrigue and all those other things. That's good to know. Because it means if we've got something to do, we don't have to sit around going, well, we haven't got this and that's not in place yet and we can just do it when God says it, which is awesome. This is what they did. This is their CV. Conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised. Shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So the writer doesn't go into much detail, and um, you can read about that yourself, but there's this list of people who certainly weren't perfect, and it says there they were weak. Weak when they didn't have faith in God, strong when they trusted in God, and faced overwhelming odds where the chance of success was virtually zero. 
strong faith does not wait for perfection in character. Faith is a response to who God is and not what we are. We can just launch. Okay. Every inch that we take for God's kingdom is going to have faith at the heart of it, not us, nothing to do with us. Okay. Verses 35 to 36, here comes the good stuff. Ready? I love being given these verses. Let's read them. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. It's the good bit. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced years and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Who wants to sign up? Who feels that prosperity ministry comes in somewhere there? You name it. You can claim it. Come on. You can be the best person you need to be right now. No, that clearly says no. It's the other side of heaven where things will be a little bit different. So the the shift is absolutely startling. What a transition. My goodness. Do you want to be in the first group or or the second group? Before we read about those who escape death, and now we read about the ones who don't. So what are we to make of this? If faith overcomes, what are we to make of it when we're sick? When we have financial issues, marriage issues, all those other things, and there is no relief in sight. In Acts 14, 21 to 22, Paul says this, Speaking of the disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. They're strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Not just one or a few, but many tribulations. How is he encouraging them here? How is he strengthening them? By telling them, Don't get taken by surprise. It's going to happen sooner or later. Don't let it shock you. Don't let it throw your faith. It's just something that has got to happen. And ultimately, I want church to be real. I I don't want my testimony at the end of time, meeting up with somebody and they said, hey, I was sawn in half. How did you go, Fraser? Oh, every time I got sick, I prayed and it went away. And whenever I needed money, a miracle check arrived. And as I walked down the streets, little chuppa chups popped up along the grass everywhere I went. It's not much of a testimony. It's like being playing for St George on a really wet, muddy day, and you've been on the bench, and you come in at the last moment, and the hooter sounds, and you've won, and you, you do the victory lap, and everyone's black from the mud, and a bit of blood coming out the mouth, and you're there with your pristine white thing punting around the, the oval. I don't want to be like that. And if someone comes to the church and they've got needs and things are going wrong in their life and there's no one here that can speak into that, what good are we? Sometimes we just need the perspective. This, is, this time on earth, 
it's, it's the football match. Drop the shoulder and charge. And then we've got eternity where every tear will be wiped away. We have perfect eternity with Christ. In my opinion, this second group is the greater manifestation of the power of faith. Here is a group of people that didn't gain victories on the battlefield. They didn't perform great feats for God, but they're the real heroes. They trusted God when the day was dark, when the night was long, when the suffering was great, and when there was no deliverance for them at all. Sometimes easier to trust in God and have faith in him when everything's going well. But they trust him despite that. Jesus said in John 16, the world will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And we'll see that one day. But sometimes this faith that we're talking about now wins over suffering, and sometimes it gives us the ability to go through it and have a testimony at the end. But trials can't sweep away true, authentic faith. I want to just uh, speak to this a little bit more. So I'm going to compare these two verses. This is uh, Hebrews 11, 34 and 37. You'll notice in the first one, escape the edge of the sword. That's group A. Killed by the sword, group B. And what's interesting about this is Herod Agrippa sought to kill both James and Peter by the sword. We know that he killed James, Acts 12, 2. But listen to this. When Herod tried to do the same thing to Peter, God delivered him. And on that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound by two chains and the guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Pretty tough situation. Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side, rousing him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Yeah. Exactly. But what does the other one say? <laughs> by faith, Peter lived, and by faith, James died. How do we compare this? If their families were in the audience now, and, and I said, you just got to believe, and everything will work out well, someone's going to come up and do a Will Smith on me, <laughs> for sure. And because I'm a Christian, I'm going to turn the other cheek, and not Chris Rock got one, I'd have to cop two. But it's great to see that because it says to us, you know what, it wasn't because Peter's faith was any better and it wasn't because God loved Peter anymore. It's just living in the world that we live in, living in the fallen world. And we know everything works out for good, for God, but sometimes the process isn't what we would hope for. Sometimes we too end up with that, uh, that testimony, but it brings glory to God. God doesn't always raise people up. There's wonderful testimonies of people that have been prayed for and have received a healing. And there's examples where they haven't. And sometimes going into the Lord's hands, that's the best healing you can actually, actually get. Because when we're healed, we're just gonna, the body's going to run down again. Lazarus died again despite being, uh, being healed. But we just need to understand that. You know, it doesn't always happen. But we're in a community of faith. So when those tough things happen... We come together. We hang on to God's promises. We know that at the end of time, Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. And you know, the world would say, why do 
bad situations happen to good people. Huh, church? Huh? And we can say, we can just turn it around and be frustrating like Jesus was when he returns a question with a question. And we can say, okay, so why do good people happen to bad situations? Why, when somebody has financial issues, do we step up and provide for them? When they're sick, do we make meals? When somebody passes, do we comfort them? Because we're in a community of faith with Jesus at the centre. So good people can happen to bad situations, just like bad situations can happen to good people. So why is our faith sometimes so easily rocked and thrown out? I think a lot of it, I feel a um, Joyce Meyer slap coming on, but... um, She's such a woman of God. Anyone that can smack their audience every time they, they speak to them and they come back for more, my goodness. But uh, I think it's to, due to our 21st century entitlement mentality. I'll pick on the American church. Some, a commentator said this about the American church. Describe them as this, fat, dumb, and happy. They're fat because they've got all this wealth, they've got, you know, the two, three cars, they've got the boat, they've got the big house, they've got all that, they're dumb, because largely their understanding of the Bible, just speaking to a few, might be a mile wide and, you know, an inch thick. They don't really know God, don't know him, don't trust him, you won't have faith in him. And they believe that they're happy because, you know, everything's going well. As long as everything goes well and I don't have any trials, I'm happy with with God, we'll keep him around. But we need to have our minds renewed. So I'm going to bring it back, back to the garden, Romans 5.12. Renew our minds, recalibrate our thoughts. One small bite for man, one giant fall for mankind. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We were required to bring glory to God. We disobeyed. We fell into sin. And as has been said a few times in in some of the songs, God is holy. The revelation we need to have is God is a holy creature and we are sinful. Matter, antimatter can't go together. As a result of that, God has to deal with sin. If we really understood the depth of our sin and the holiness of God, we would thank God for every day that he hasn't killed us. Seriously, if I was God, you love playing that. If I was God, I'd say to Gabriel, look what they're doing now. I've got an idea. I'll be Ronaldo. I'll pretend the earth is a soccer ball. Let's make the sun the goal. I'll kick it in. We'll start again. Save us a whole mess of time. But no, it's by his mercy and grace that he keeps us around. So we need to thank him every breath that we've got, every fresh day is a gift. That's not a bad thing. I mean, the only thing he owes us is wrath. The only thing we deserve is wrath. That means every day is a blessing. Every gift is utter mercy from God. So we can start to transform our hearts. If we see ourselves as deserving good things from God, we will not see God as merciful and gracious. We will take mercy for granted We will then assume it, and then we will demand it. So we need right thinking about God's holiness. 
If we do that, if we see everything he gives us as a blessing, if we lose our health, we'll be thankful for the times that we were healthy. I had a, a really rough marriage for 20 years, and then I married Annette, and I've had a great marriage for 10 years. And seriously, we have never raised our voice to each other. We've never had an awkward moment. We've never slammed doors or anything like that for 10 years. It's been wonderful. I deserve those 10 years after those 20 years. No, I don't. I deserve God's wrath. And that's great because that will make me grateful for every day with Annette. And if, heaven forbid, she died one day, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be, come on, God, you ripped me off. Why did you do that? It'll be, my goodness, what 10 wonderful years you gave me. I think the greatest act of personal worship we can have is to have a grateful heart towards God. So how do we grow in faith? We grow in faith by increasing our knowledge of God. I have, outside of God, I have so much faith in my wife, more so than anyone else. I trust her more than anyone else. Why? Because I know her better than anyone else. 24-7, I'm there, in the house, out playing soccer, at the coffee shop, on the toilet, she's always there. <laughs> I know her really well. So we grow in faith by knowing God through his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. How do you increase your faith in God? By doing exactly what you're doing now. Hearing God's word, getting to know him a little bit better. You know him better, you're going to trust him more and you're going to have faith that whatever he says can be done because it's him that's saying it. If you remember, this is the HMV logo. This is little Nipper listening to his master's voice. And I had that on my computer desktop for such a long time because I'm visual and to me that reminds me to connect with God every day. If you ever see me in church with my head to one side, I'm listening, listening to God. Just a couple of quick quotes. This is from Mary Ann Williamson, a best-selling author. Just a reminder of what I've been talking about here. We lack faith in what exists within us because we lack faith in who exists within us. It's God, it's about him, it's not about our ability. And finally, the wonderful Corrie ten Boom, who um, managed to hide away in her home so many Jews during the Second World War. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. What a good definition of faith. I wonder if you're just one faith decision away from receiving the impossible, doing the impossible. And um, our final points, which I didn't put down here. If you don't trust God, then you don't know him. Get into his word, get to know him. Remember that faith provides us victory over suffering or victory through suffering, but it's victory nonetheless. And remember, live your life from an eternal perspective. It's not that God loves other people more or they've got stronger faith. Life in a fallen world, we, we can trust in the promises of God. He will bring us through. But we are going to live forever. This is a short game. Drop the shoulder. 
charge, and at the end of it, we have eternity with God. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, we ask that you would increase our passion for spending time with you so that our faith can continue to grow. Faith to serve you, faith for victory, faith to endure whatever difficulties come into our lives. And thank you that at the end of it, you will wipe away every tear and we can have perfect, eternal life in your arms. Amen. And while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you don't know Jesus, and this sermon is all about getting to know him, then I want to introduce you to him. Jesus is my best friend. He has never let me down and he is always there. And I want to introduce you to him because I want him to be your best friend too. So if that's you, if you want to know to trust and to begin your faith journey today, would you just slip your hands up in the air as an act of faith? Throw your hand in the air like you don't care for the one that you can trust and the only one. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for leaving your father's house and for coming to this far off land and visiting us in the, in the mess and the stuff of life. Jesus, we are sorry for our sin. Lord, we turn from our sin, we turn towards you. We give you our lives. And we pray that you would speak to us. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.